This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. I decided to make some changes to my plan to preach for this morning, and uh, I thought it would be good to follow up from last weekend. And uh, having Julian with us uh, was a great time. Many of you were there uh, on the Saturday uh, at the conference, and then we had him here on the Sunday morning. And it was really good to have him uh, with us and among us, and uh, it's, uh, it's always fun, and we had a good time together. And uh, I thought it would be good to follow up some of it this week uh, and make some comments on the, on the weekend with him, uh, and also look at what we can learn together and what God might be saying to us, uh, and hopefully some things that will be useful to us. Um, and uh, I, I've called the message, What to Do When There's a Prophet in the House. And uh, so this is not a normal preach. Those of you who know me would know my preferred method, probably where I'm more comfortable, is to take a passage of Scripture and to preach it and to preach through it and, and apply it. And um, really felt that I shouldn't do that today, but should look at some of the things that uh, were mentioned and talked about last weekend and to see what God has for us. So that's my plan for this morning. So it's not what we would normally do, but I do feel it's the right thing to do uh, today. Now, I'm aware that some of what I say, uh, you could probably say, great, it would have been really helpful if you'd said that before he came. And you're probably right, there might be some things I'll say that probably would have been better if I'd said them a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't, so I'm sorry about that. But I'm trusting too that this morning will be useful and helpful to us. So shall we pray, and then we'll get into this. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence with us, uh, and we thank you now that uh, you're in these moments too. And uh, Father, I want to pray as I speak now and as I open up some scripture, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to us I pray we'd hear from heaven. <clears throat> Lord, I pray you'd teach us, you'd uh, enlarge our understanding of you uh, and your gifts to your church. Uh, and Lord, oh Lord, that we might be built up in our faith, we might become more like Jesus, and you might be more glorified. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, it's worth saying that Julian is a good friend of ours, he's a gifted prophet he is he is a gift to the church i would say and i think he would be certainly be seen in that way and uh, i use those words quite specifically if you've got a bible with you or if like me you've got a page of your bible with you if you'd like to turn to it and read from we can look at ephesians chapter four my birthday's coming up soon just want to know that Okay, so we can read some verses from Ephesians chapter 4. I'll have to put it back in the Bible, don't I? I'm going to really lose it. And we'll start reading at verse 7, 7 through to oh, about 13, I reckon. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. 
It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So you might want to keep your Bible open there. We're going to look at it as we, as we go through. But you notice that these are not just gifts that someone has, but rather the person themselves, as an apostle or prophet, etc., is the gift to the church. So Paul makes it very clear. He says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Why? Well, it tells us, next verse, in order that they might prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. And so what Paul's doing here in writing to uh, the church in Ephesus, he's talking about gifts of individual people that the ascended Christ has given to his church in order that the church might be built up, in order that uh, we might grow in our faith and might become mature. So just because you might be prophetic doesn't mean that you're a prophet necessarily as described here. This is something more. This is a gift of an individual that the ascended Christ has given to the church. You could look at it like this. I mean, all of us are called to one degree or another to be evangelistic, to tell people about Jesus. That doesn't mean that we're all evangelists in this sense. There are some that God has given to his church who are very gifted evangelists and who are great at sharing their faith, be it on a one-to-one basis, or great at training others in doing that, or very gifted at speaking to thousands of people and seeing many people respond to Jesus. But actually, we're all called to be evangelistic to one degree or another. Actually, we're all called to be prophetic to one degree or another as well, and we'll look at that in a moment. But this is something more than just being prophetic in our Christian faith. Actually, We're told in the Bible that we should all desire the gift of prophecy, all desire to prophesy. We'll look at that in a moment. But that doesn't mean that we're all prophets in this sense. These people that Paul's talking about here have proven character, proven gifting. They're recognised by others as having a measure of a gift that is for the church. And it's worth saying as well, you can't just appoint yourself a prophet and say, right, I'm going to be a prophet today. Or you can't just appoint yourself as an apostle. Or actually, or as a pastor or teacher either. Actually, these gifts need to be recognised in one another. It needs to be a corporate thing. But as I said, we should all seek to be prophetic and evangelistic and pastoral. So we all want to be doing those things as well. So these are particular gifts, particular individuals that the ascended Christ has given to his church for a particular purpose. And let's be really clear, we need these gifts today. There will be some who would argue in Christendom that we don't need these gifts today because now we've got the completed scripture, the word of God. Well, yes, we have got scripture, we've got the word of God in the Bible, but we're not fully mature We haven't completely reached unity in the faith. We still need these gifts today, every single one of them. 
And it's worth saying as well that maturity as a Christian is not becoming a pastor or teacher or prophet. Maturity as a Christian is growing in God, becoming mature in your faith, living in the power of the Spirit, fulfilling what God has for you, whatever that might be. That's maturity as a Christian. So the goal is to grow up, to become more like Jesus, more Christ-like, become more mature than you are now. The goal is not necessarily to get one of these, you know, think, oh, I want to become one of these. No, no, that's not the goal here. These are gifts that, that Jesus gives to his church in order that we all might become mature and all might grow in our faith together. So these are gifts of individuals that are meant to help that, both individually and corporately. And I would say, and there'll be many others that would say as well about Julian, who was here last weekend, he would be a prophet in this category and recognised as such. He has a credible and trusted prophetic ministry. However, even so, that does not mean he is infallible. And he'll be the first to say that. In fact, he did on the Saturday. you remember that if, um, if you were there at the conference. He is human just like you and me. And he'll be the first to say that he can get it wrong, as we can all get it wrong. And that's because prophetic ministry in the New Testament is different to prophetic ministry in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, the prophet was God's mouthpiece. Thus saith the Lord. And the prophet would say something, speaking God's direct words. He or she spoke the divine words of God. And if the prophet got it wrong, there was no second chance. They got stoned. A bit of a risk there. Fortunately, now, in the New Testament, it's a little different. The prophetic gift is a Holy Spirit-inspired message. And when it comes, it's always a mixture of God and the individual. It just is. It always is. And depending upon the maturity of the individual, it's either more of God and less of them, or less of God and more of them, depending upon perhaps the maturity of the person bringing that message. But there is always a mix there. There is always a mix there. And fortunately now, we don't stone people when they get it wrong. We might have a quiet word afterwards and say, not too sure about what you brought there, or if it you know, needs more public correction, we might say, actually, we don't think that's from the Lord. But we don't stone people. It's good, isn't it? You should be pleased about that. I'm pleased about that. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Now, if Paul could say, actually, we only see in part now. It's like, it's like looking through, seeing a reflection or a, thread, sort of, sort of a pane of glass. We're not, not quite seeing everything yet. If Paul could say that, how much more could, do we need to say that? We don't see it all just yet. So we called last Saturday's conference, Heaven Touching Earth. And we wanted a day to hear from heaven, to hear from God and experience his power and his presence in a greater reality. And I think that happens. That certainly inspired us in those things. Julian started the day by talking about sonship, how we're all sons and daughters of the living God. And it's a great place to start. Rather than starting about presence of God and miracles 
and those sort of things. And actually, we need to understand who we are in Christ first. And that's a really important place to start. Well, one commentator says, Sonship and receiving the Spirit are inextricably linked. And they are. And if you didn't get there on a Saturday, uh, the talks, if they're not already on our website, they will be very shortly. Uh, I know David's been working on editing them this week, and uh, they may be online already, actually, but if not, they will be, I guess, the coming week. <coughs> and then on a Sunday, we were privileged to have uh, Julian with us here. And it's interesting because I'd felt for a while that actually the weekend would be more than just about impacting the individuals who happen to be there at a conference, but rather it would be about impacting and affecting churches corporately. And I said as much when I opened the conference on the Saturday, and we prayed for church leaders who were there as representatives of their local church, saying, listen, you've got something to receive today that you'll take back. It's not just about you having a good time here. We want you to have a good time and enjoy being with one another and enjoy, enjoy God, but it's more than that. Actually, you've got something to take back to your local church. And we started the day with that, and I've been feeling that for, for a little while. And uh, certainly I've been praying for that. Now, last time Julian was with us, about a couple of years ago, I think it was now, if you were here then, you might remember, he had, during the Sunday morning meeting, there were many, many prophetic words for different individuals. And they were brought publicly, and uh, many of uh, us had discussions with one another about them, and weighed them, and talked about them, and prayed into them. But they, they were quite significant. And numbers of you received those, Sarah and I included, and they were significant for us and very helpful and, and directive to what God was saying to us in that moment. This time it seemed a bit different. There was less of that, but I think there was more of us receiving something corporately as a church. Now, it's interesting because... I preached a few weeks ago, or a few months ago, I forget when it was exactly, on the same passage that Julian used on Sunday morning. I've read the same commentaries. We were talking about it afterwards. We were talking about uh, some different commentaries we'd read and different writers that we'd been uh, referring to. And we've read the same commentaries. But I think he brought it alive in a new way, even to me. And that's what happens when you get a prophetic preacher. Now, I didn't call my message, when I preached it, getting your crazy praise on. I doubt if I would call it that if I preached on it again. But for Julian, it was a great title. You know, he is a South African Pentecostal. I am not. I'm from Orpington in Kent. All right? So, so, so when you get him, you get... God's message through him, but you get him as well, as an individual. His background, his history, his culture, who he is as a, as a person. And it's the same with all of us, isn't it? God uses all that, our experience in him and so on. We're all different in that regard. And that's okay, we shouldn't be trying to copy one another. Rather, you need to find out who you are in God and fulfill what God has for you as an individual. I feel God speaking to, to me about some new things for me at the moment, who I am in God and what he's got for me. And I was having a conversation about this with, a, with an older pastor just a couple of weeks ago. And um, he was saying, you need to learn to be who you are in God. And he's right. And all of us need to learn to be who we are in God, not try and copy somebody else. 
That doesn't mean you can't learn from somebody else. You can. But what you don't want to be is a carbon copy of somebody else because God has made you, you. And there's only one of you. I look at me and think, thank goodness there's only one of me because that's quite enough. But God made us all individuals. You are an individual. God has things for you that he wants you to fulfill in a way that is unique for you. So, what are some of the things that we can learn from from Julian's message on Sunday morning? Well, I I don't want to re-preach it because that wouldn't be helpful. And uh, if you want to listen to it again, you can just get it off the website. Um, But there are a few things that I felt God speak to me about and maybe he spoke to you about them as well. Firstly, public worship flows out of private worship. You can't be something publicly that you're not privately if you want authenticity. You can pretend. If you want to be authentic and genuine, then you need to be the same publicly as you are privately. And so public worship flows out of, uh, of personal and private worship. Secondly, worship should be extravagant and heartfelt. We serve and worship an extravagant God. He's been pretty extravagant in his love for us, hasn't he? Shouldn't our worship be extravagant back? So I guess the question that I felt for me, and maybe for you as well, is has God really got hold of your heart? Has he got hold of my heart? Is it totally in love with him? What about for you? Maybe for some of you this morning... God wants to do that in you. Perhaps even do an exchange. It says in Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So even if you're thinking, well, you know what, I I find it hard. or It feels like my heart's cold towards God at the moment. God can do an exchange, even in these moments. We don't even need to wait to a ministry time at the end. God can do it just now. Even as you sit and as you'll be before God and open to him, the Spirit can come to you in a moment and do that exchange. God's word opens these things up. That's what God is saying to us even now. So has God really got hold of your heart? Is it a heart that's fully in love with him? The third thing that I, I felt was about checking my spirit, checking our spirit. And I found the quote particularly challenging, and, and I did a little blog post on it this week. Some of you may have seen it. The, the quote was this, It's funny how the extravagant worship of others produces a judgmental spirit in us. And I, I felt I was honest in what I said online. I, I think that's true sometimes. I've been in meetings where other people have been far more outlandish or extravagant in worship, and I'm thinking, oh, I wish they'd just give it a rest. But actually... When I think that, it says more about my position and my heart towards God than it does about them. Actually, I'm the one that needs to change probably far more than they are. It reveals much more about where I'm at than really than about where they're at. Now, I could put a caveat and say the the exception is flag ministry, and Julian talked about that last week, but I won't do that because I defeat my points. But do you understand what I'm saying here? Actually, we need to check our own hearts before God. If other people are you know, irritating us because of their enthusiasm, well, what's the issue here? Is it really they're being you know, awfully distracting? And, or is it actually it's our heart that's got cold towards God? And then finally, extravagant worship requires extravagant action. Now, I know that worship is much more than about what happens in those two hours on a Sunday morning. 
Worship is about our whole life, isn't it? It's about living a, a sacrifice uh, to God every day of the week in everything we do. You know, washing up is as much worship as singing songs together on a Sunday morning. We can do it in a way that honours God. Everything we do, we can do as worship to him. But right now I'm talking about this in a context, okay? So extravagance in your heart needs to be expressed. And what that looks like is probably different for every individual. Because we're all different before God, aren't we? He's made us differently. So what is extravagant for one might not be for another, but that's okay. So for you, extravagance might be lifting your hands. It might be dancing. It might be lying prostrate on the floor. It doesn't actually matter what it is. It's just our response to what Jesus has done in us. See, actions help us to communicate emotions and thoughts, don't they? So if I love my wife, and I do, for the record, then it's no good me just thinking, well, I do love her, she should jolly well know. I told her once, that's good enough. Doesn't go down well, guys, a little tip there. She wants to hear it more often, regularly. So I need to do something to communicate that. Now, I might say it, I might buy her some flowers, I might buy another gift or we might have a meal together. But there needs to be an action that communicates something that's in my heart. It's no good me just saying, what's oh, in my heart? I know it. She should know it too. It doesn't follow, does it? It needs to be expressed. And worship needs to be expressed as well. So if you're at a football match and your favourite team score, it's unlikely, even if you're from Orpington again, that you sit there quietly and go, oh, Jolly good show, they've scored, hurrah. Now you do that at cricket matches, I grant you that. But at football matches there's some level of enthusiasm and excitement and if it's Derby that have scored, probably shock. <laughs> but it's expressed, isn't it? That's my point. That you know, Something that's going on that has captured our attention is expressed and very often there's a passionate and enthusiastic response. I think the challenge to us is well, actually, our worship should be passionate and enthusiastic as well. It's not a volume issue, it's a heart issue. I think the challenge to us is, is our worship passionate, is it enthusiastic? Are we expressing our love for God because of what he's done for us? Have we really allowed him to capture our hearts? says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 41, The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Now, you might want to argue about exactly what a prophet's reward is, and that's a, a curious phrase, but it's clear that Jesus is encouraging us to receive a prophet and to receive an individual like that. And I want to encourage us to receive Julian, even though the visit was in the past, just in our hearts, in terms of what he brought to us. It's about being open to God. It's about being open to him speaking to us through that individual. Not sitting back and observing, thinking, well, I'm just going to watch and see, see what happens, and maybe he's going to tick off my tick sheet, and is that good or bad? Or, no, 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 it's about saying, Lord, what have you got for me? What are, we, what are we expecting God to speak to us about? Now, it doesn't mean, let's be really clear here, it doesn't mean we switch off our brains. It doesn't mean we don't weigh things. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But it does mean that our attitude and our heart is one that is open to God and wanting to receive from him 
through the particular individual. Now, for me, now I was uh, I was saved at quite a young age. I became a Christian as a child. I was brought up in a fairly traditional Baptist church. It's a good church, but it wasn't terribly open to things of the Spirit. So probably our understanding of Trinity was Father, Son, and well, just Father and Son, really. <laughs> and um, certainly experientially, if not theologically. And uh, that's, that's why I grew up, and that's why I had my sort of early Christian uh, education, if you like. And uh, a friend of mine who's a year older than me went off to university uh, at 18, and, uh, and she got involved uh, in a, a vineyard church in Birmingham. And when she would come back uh, at holiday time, a whole number of us from the church would often go with her and a group of friends uh, to some uh, more charismatic meetings uh, that, uh, that the churches locally were hosting. And um, that was an interesting experience for me, really, because I knew that she and some of her friends from this church, who I got to know over a period of time, had something more of God than I did. But A, I didn't know what it was, and B, it scared me silly. That's the honest truth. I knew that they had experienced something of God that I hadn't experienced. I knew I wanted it, but boy, I didn't understand things and I was really quite scared about the whole process. I remember going to a meeting once and somebody offered to pray for me. I said, oh, no, no, thank you. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And I look back now and I think, what a stupid answer. I wanted to say, yes, please. But I didn't because I was terrified. I knew they had something of God and I kept going to these meetings. But boy, did they really scare me. I remember going to a prophetic workshop uh, once with a whole, whole group of uh, friends and uh, we went to this went to this training day. It wasn't dissimilar, really, to what we did on Saturday. And uh, they got a bunch of people up on the stage and said, right, we're now going to practice prophesying. I'm thinking, oh, my life. I just, don't, I just wanted to get out. I couldn't get out. I was in the middle of a row. It's like, how do I get out of here quick? And uh, I was terrified about the whole prospect. But I knew they had something of God that I hadn't experienced. I desperately wanted it, but I was desperately scared at the same time. The beginning of uh, uh, 1994, some of you weren't even born then, but you know, way back in ancient history sometime, God spoke to me and challenged me really clearly. And I ended up uh, joining the New Frontiers Church in Alpington. And I, was, I joined being very aware of my weakness and inexperience in things of the Spirit, but knowing that I wanted to learn and knowing that I wanted more of God than I'd experienced up to that moment. And it took me a while to be open to things of the Spirit. I, was, I got baptised in the Holy Spirit and everything changed. I learned to walk in the power of the Spirit. And I think I'm still learning that today. But I learned to really love and enjoy the presence of God. And still do. But for me, it was a journey. It didn't happen overnight. And I'll tell you the story because some of you might relate to that. Some of you go, you know what, that, that's a bit like me. Because I, I see something that I want, but I'm not quite there yet. And I'm a little bit nervous about it. Listen, I was like that. And, it's, and it, got, it took God a few years to get through to me. Because I'm quite stubborn, really. But he did in the end. And I'm so glad that he did. But maybe for some of you, you're on that journey as well. I want to encourage you this morning to keep going. And to keep pressing in. So... Just in the moments we have remaining, 
I want to talk about how to receive prophetic words because there were some prophetic words that were brought uh, last weekend and I just want to make some comments about how we should receive those. The Bible is very clear. New Testament prophetic words need to be weighed. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 says, Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. It's very clear. Now, there's some debate in the commentary as to who the others are. You look at different commentators, there's, there's different opinions on that, whether, whether the others are other prophets or other elders or just others in the church, generally. Well, whilst that isn't clear, the importance of weighing the prophetic words is very clear. It has to be done, regardless of who has brought them. Regardless of who brings them, they still need to be weighed or tested. And that's because... Prophetic ministry in the New Testament now is, is, is a, in part, it's a mix. So actually, I think in a worship context like this, all of us should be weighing the words to one degree or another. It might be that uh, elders have a particular job to be, to be aware of what's being shared, but actually, the Holy Spirit is in all of us. We can all say, Lord, is, is that of you? Uh, is, is that really right? Is that what you're saying to us? We can all do that. And in a corporate setting, it's good that we all do that. Because if what's being brought is genuine and of God, then even the process of saying, Lord, is this you? That opens our heart to those things. So I'd encourage us to be weighing things as as things are brought to us. So what does that mean? How do you do that? Where would you stop? You take note. You you ponder. You ask God. It's why I only have two or three prophetic words at a time before we go, let's pause for a second. Let's just wait. Why? Well, because if you have four or five or six, you probably can't remember what the first one was. So you miss it. So Paul's saying, listen, have two or three, then just stop. Just wait, just, just wait it. Just allow God to speak. So how do you do that? Well, firstly, you're open to God speaking. You're coming with an open and soft heart towards him. Secondly, you say, does the word contradict scripture? If it does, you chuck it out straight away. You say, if it contradicts what God has already said in his word, then it's not of him. Now, actually, that doesn't necessarily mean the whole word isn't of him. Because it's a mix, sometimes people get a bit mixed up. It might be that part of it is right and part of it isn't. That's why we have to weigh these things and say, Lord, what are you saying? But you need to check it with what God has said already in his word. Also, does it fit with what God has said before? Does it fit with what God has said before? So I'm finding at the moment that uh, a number of prophetic words that I'm receiving are building on what God has been saying over the last couple of years. And so somebody brings something to me, if they brought that to me a number of years ago, I would have said, you're mad. And I, probably, I actually did on one occasion. But actually, because God has been saying the similar thing through different people consistently over a period of time, I'm thinking, oh, maybe God's in this. Remember, I'm stubborn and thick. It takes a while for God to get through. Actually, God is so, you know, is it, is it consistent with what God is saying to you? over a period of time. Does it, uh, you know, ask godly friends who know you well what they think. You'd be open to other people speaking into your hearts as well. Does it sit well with you? Does it sort of fit comfortably? Do, do you think, yeah, I think this is what God is saying to me. I know that's a subjective thing. I understand that. But God has given us our emotions as well as our, as our brains. And we, say, we think, does it sit well? Is God in this? Do we get a sense of God speaking to us? Mix it with faith is a phrase that I heard somebody use. That was a great phrase. Mix it with faith and pray over it. Read it again. Listen to it again. Say, God, are you in this? What are you really saying? And then work out what you need to do next. What's the action for you? What do you need to be doing as a result?
So Julian had some words at the end of the meeting for some individuals. And uh, he said to me, I'm happy to prophesy with a few people at the end, but two conditions. Number one, there needs to be an elder there so they can be weighed and tested and listened to. Number two, can you record them? Because again, it means you can listen to them, you can hear them again, and so you can check what was said, and it helps in the weighing process. I used to go to meetings and uh, would never, ever receive any prophetic words. Sarah's brother would only have to walk through the door in a meeting, and there'd be prophetic words all over the place for him. I'd go then, I'd, be sit, I'd sit there for hours, nothing. God never seemed to say anything. Now, fortunately, God has been saying lots of things. But sometimes it can seem like that, can't it? Sometimes we can think, why is everybody else getting all the prophetic words? It's just how it is sometimes. We need to be not judgmental and not critical, but open to what God has for us. Another church leader writing about these things encouraged his church to pray for those who had received prophetic words and to encourage them in them. His phrase was to enjoy the unfolding of God's plans for those around us. I thought that's a good phrase. So even if you didn't receive something specifically, then pray for others who did. Pray for those who God is speaking to, that they might enjoy and walk in the good of what he's saying for them. <clears throat> I've got a whole load that I'd like to say on how you bring prophetic words. But I think we're done for time today. So it seems like a good place to stop and uh, we'll continue this and uh, we'll perhaps next weekend look at receiving the Spirit and how to bring prophetic words. And again, there's a, there's a few just really easy hints and tips on how to hear God and how to bring things in a way that honours him and builds up and encourages one another. So we'll continue this next time. So can we stand? I'd love to pray for us uh, as we close. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your presence. We thank you for your words. And then we thank you for your gifts. Thank you for giving gifts to your church. But Lord, we don't want to get fascinated with gifts. We want to get fascinated with you. And so, Father, I want to pray for each of us this morning that, Lord God, our hearts will be open to you. We will be fascinated by you. We will be in love with you in order that you might do a great work in our hearts. You might, we might encourage one another. We might see your church built up because of what you are doing. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us a part to play. Thank you that you're building your church and you're using us in the process. Lord God, we pray that we would be, um, we would be great living stones, as it were, for you to use. And Lord, we might honour you in the process and might edify one another as we go. Be with us this week, Lord. Help us in all that we do to live for you, to worship you, and to honour you, in order that you might be glorified and made famous. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're done. Thank you for being here this morning. God bless you. Have a great week. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday, once again, here at 10 o'clock. Sunday morning.